It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast, your first post-game podcast of the 2020 season. Locked On Bengals is presented by Pepsi, made for football watching. This football season will be different, and Pepsi's here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. I personally was watching with a lot of fans live calling the plays on Twitch, but no matter how you watch it, Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, but it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. I'll be joined by my co-host, James Rapine, from Paul Brown Stadium a little bit later in this episode, and you'll notice that it sounds like he's at Paul Brown Stadium because he will be calling me from his phone as we patch him in for the second two parts of the show. But we're going to get started here with a game recap as the Bengals fall to the Chargers 16-13 to in heartbreaking fashion. Joe Burrow found A.J. Green in the front right corner of the end zone with about seven seconds left on the clock for what should have been or could have been the go-ahead touchdown in the game. Instead, Green was called for offensive pass interference, which pushed the Bengals back 10 yards, at which point Zach Taylor decided to try the field goal with seven seconds left on the clock rather than taking another shot or two at the end zone, not wanting to risk a sack or the ball ending up inbounds and not having a chance to go to overtime. Randy Bullock went out for that field goal, a 33-yard attempt, and appeared to pull a muscle in his kicking leg and shanked the kick wide right as time went down to two seconds on the clock before Tyrod Taylor and the Los Angeles Chargers took a knee to end the game. A.J. Green, after the game, talking about his pass interference penalty, said that he thought he was being held by Casey Hayward and had to push in order to fight back or have any chance at all on the play. Replay will be scrutinized on that play in particular, but with pass interference not being a reviewable penalty in 2020, there was nothing the Bengals could do but go out there and try to get points after that call took a touchdown off the board. And here is where the controversy will surely come from. The Bengals could have taken two more shots at the end zone at that point, tried to win the game then and there with seven seconds left on the clock. Zach Taylor was specifically asked about that decision-making after the game, and he said that he was worried about the pass rush, and for good reason. In the first half of the game, Joe Burrow, in Zach Taylor's words, was running for his life. He took three sacks for 20 yards lost, and that really all came in the first half. And Burrow had some rookie moments. He was getting sacked and kind of flipped it out to Joe Mixon, who was behind him at the time. Mixon wasn't ready for the ball. It didn't quite get to his chest. It goes down as a fumble and a sack. Instead, he also tries to flip a ball to Giovanni Bernard on a screen that's really blown up at that point, and he really just needs to eat it, throw it away, throw it at Gio's feet. Anything other than just a little shovel pass that Melvin Ingram was able to step in front of and intercept. But for all of those things, 
I thought that there were some signs of encouragement going forward. For one, the offensive line was better in the second half, despite a registered six QB hits, five tackles for a loss, and three sacks, according to the ESPN box score. The offensive line did hold up a lot better in the second half. Joe Burrow had some chances. I thought he had a great throw to John Ross, who was open in the back of the end zone. John Ross couldn't quite pull it in. You could say that maybe he overthrew it, but I think that that is probably splitting hairs a little bit at that point. And from a high level, the defense generally played very well. Yes, the Chargers averaged four yards per run. They had their running backs go for 31 carries for 144 yards for a total of 155 yards. But Tyrod Taylor was just 16 of 30 for 208 yards. He took a couple sacks. The Bengals just were, were just this close a lot today. Joe Burrow missed a wide open A.J. Green for a touchdown. We talked about the John Ross miss in the end zone. That was actually on back-to-back plays. And that would have made the score at the time 17-10. to 10. Instead, the Bengals had to settle for a field goal there and they end up losing by three. The other close misses, Sam Hubbard got stiff-armed by Tyrod Taylor who manages to escape what would have been an eight-yard loss on a third down and complete a pass for a first down instead late in the game when the Bengals were trying to get a stop and maybe extend their lead. Then you have the offensive pass interference in the closing minutes of the game. Randy Bullock shanking a 33-yard field goal after making a 50-yard field goal earlier in the game, and you get heartbreak that really became natural to Bengals fans in 2019. Now, Joe Burrow had a fantastic game-winning drive. A.J. Green feels that he had the game-winning touchdown. There was no backing down. And you love to see that from Joe Burrow. You saw the, the short memory. He didn't let the interception bother him. He came back. He found receivers. He spread the ball around. The one thing that was really missing for the Bengals in this game is he didn't have the big passing plays. They didn't have enough explosive plays. And that's one of the differences. The other difference comes down to turnovers where Joe Burrow threw an interception that he really should have thrown into the ground, where Joe Mixon lost a fumble, his first fumble in over 600 touches. And those bounces just did not go the Bengals' way in this game. Still, some reasons to be encouraged going forward with Joe Burrow's first start, despite it not finishing the way the Bengals would have hoped. Coming up next, we go through the game. That was a pretty high-level summary and mostly focused on the conclusion, so we'll talk a little bit more about the first half. We'll talk about some of the interesting things that happened throughout the game, some of the interesting things in the box score when James Rapine joins me from Paul Brown Stadium in just a minute. The NFL is back, and the second most important thing on Sundays behind the football, of course, is what you're eating while you watch. Give yourself one less thing to worry about on football Sundays and let DoorDash take care of your next meal. You can get pizza, you can get Froyo, you can get Chinese, you can get a snack from your favorite local restaurant. No matter what it is, DoorDash has thousands of restaurants open for delivery right now. In fact, there's over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia. So if you're in one of those countries, you can either support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, The Cheesecake Factory. Wherever you're craving food from, get it brought straight to your door when you sit down on Sunday to watch the Bengals. Right now, our listeners get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked On. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter promo code Locked On. 
Today's show is also brought to you by Roman. Talking about erectile dysfunction is never easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo, or we just avoid it. Had a long day, or I'm just not feeling it today. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and it's totally discreet. With Roman, you can get free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan, and if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. Let's go quarter by quarter a little bit for segment two of the show, James, because it really was a pretty different game as it progressed. And you can all welcome James into the show now. He's on his phone down at Paul Brown Stadium having just finished his press conferences. And the Bengals start the game with the ball and immediately go nowhere. And and the thing at the beginning of the game that was really strange was the, the, the rotation that we're seeing at wide receiver with Mike Thomas on the field on third down, AJ Green, John Ross not on the field on third down. Super weird. I mean, and you're right. That stood out to me right away. It's like, all right, you, you take him off the field on second down, but you're not putting 18 back out there on third down in, in a passing situation. And they go to Mike Thomas, and he did get separation was open, but the throw was off. But still, it was just a weird weird personnel for the first uh, big third down of the game. And on your first drive, why not have A.J. Green, Ross, Boyd, have all those guys out there? Instead, it was Boyd, Higgins, and Mike Thomas, from what uh, what I remember. Yeah, I believe that that's correct. So the Bengals started the game with actually a little quick swing pass to Joe Mixon, just to maybe get Joe Mixon a completion on his first attempt in the NFL. Not really sure, but it just went for two yards, and they... <laughs> They go with a little runoff right tackle for three yards, and then Joe Burrow's throw to Mike Thomas is off target. And and I thought it was a fine decision. It was apparently affected by Joey Bosa, according to the ESPN box score. And what was also very apparent early in the game, staying on the offense for a little bit, is the pass protection, particularly in the first half, the Bengals couldn't play offense. They they <laughs> Joe Burrow had no chance to, to execute anything that they wanted to do, to do because the pass protection was like – I think as bad as I've seen it since maybe week four last year against Pittsburgh in the game when TJ Watt had like 18 sacks. It was awful. Awful. You're right. You couldn't, this wasn't something you could scheme around or something that you could fake. They were just awful. Uh, And I think the 88 yards from scrimmage in the first half, which is just, just dreadful. 23 obviously came on the Burrow touchdown run 13 more came on the pass right before that run to, to green. So outside of those two plays, you know, that's about half their offense in the entire first half. And it was because of how disruptive that Chargers defensive line was. And, and obviously Bose and Ingram get the attention, but it wasn't just those two guys getting pressure. And I, I think that that's certainly uh, a big reason why the, the Bengals are only up seven, six at halftime. 
Yeah, Jerry Tillery actually had a pretty nice game from what I saw, which is pretty interesting. He was very disappointing for the Chargers in his rookie year, but he was in there with some pressure and had a big hit on Joe Burrow on a on a read read option that Joe Burrow mm-hmm. handed off that I wasn't very happy about. But the theme of the first half, certainly pressure, and the other theme of the first half was Kevin Huber had a great half, more or less. He, he had a few touchbacks, which are actually a little uncharacteristic for him. And the defense started off the game really well. And some of that was assisted by some bad throws from Tyrod and some drops from his receivers. But generally, they were containing the run really well early. I thought the secondary for the whole game actually played pretty well. And so until that first touchdown, despite the offense not really doing much, they were dominating field position. And so once they get out there, they they get a quick RPO. Like you said, the only things they could really do in the first half was they had a couple of successful RPO passes. They had a couple decent mix and runs and they had the big QB draw. The defense on the other hand, really, I think started out the game really strong. They, they forced uh, a six and out a three and out a three and out. And then they get off the field in some really bad situations. A few times getting two turnovers on downs on fourth and shorts around midfield. They, they force a, a field goal on a on what ended up being an 11 play 74 yard drive and and to end the half they force a field goal as well so uh some some good resolve from the defense overall i thought the linebackers played a lot better especially in the first half that was immediately apparent and i really liked the rotation that we saw at linebacker with Bynes and pratt playing first and second down and mostly akeem davis gaither and wilson playing on third down i love that you mentioned that because akeem davis gaither definitely had a a big pressure on Tyrod. I remember yeah. tweeting yeah. about that. I believe it was in the first half. Uh, yeah, yeah he, came, he, he came. He came unblocked up the middle on that play, and and it and, absolutely disrupted the play. And it's perfect because you're using the guys the way I think they should be right. used right now, right. right? I mean, Logan Wilson probably feels comfortable there, um, and and really outside of a couple of plays where Keenan Allen on third down had catches in front of him, I couldn't really think of a time where it looked out of place and that's Keenan Allen he does that you know that's something he does so uh, I did you know as, as weird as the wide receiver rotations were I thought the linebacker rotations were on the opposite side of the spectrum fit perfectly and put these guys in a position to succeed and really fit their their strengths so that was uh, certainly a positive and I agree with you on the defense I mean they set the tone and really kept them in the game because when your offensive line's getting beat up like it and bros getting sacked three times and it could have been many more in that first half, uh, you, you need your defense to step up. And I thought they did a good job of kind of a, a setting the tone and, and keeping the chargers in check. And, and to the Bengals credit, I, I thought there were some pretty worrisome trends heading in to halftime because the offense for the Bengals was, was totally not functional. They had, mm-hmm. Let's see, they had a a three-play, one-yard drive, a three-play, three-yard drive, a six-play, nine-yard drive, the one-touchdown drive we talked about, a (laughs) three-play, negative five-yard drive, a six-play, 16-yard drive, and a three-yard, five-yard, three-play, five-yard drive. So they have one drive that that had more than 10 yards in the first half. Did I I see that right? Yeah. So, oh, no, they had the 16-yard drive that that ended with a punt, their second drive. So my, my, my fear at halftime, as I was doing my play-by-play calling of the game on Twitch, which was actually really fun, was that the, the trends were the Chargers are moving the ball. The Bengals are getting off the field. They're not giving up touchdowns. They got off the field on a couple fourth downs. And, and to me, it was, well, if the Chargers can figure out some of those little things instead of fourth and one converting those third downs, 
the the game could have looked a lot different in the first half. And Jay Morrison had a fun stat that the the Bengals, when they only give up six points in the first half, are something like thirty five and one before today's loss in their history. And, and some of those trends did carry into the second half, where the Bengals lucked out, got a missed field goal to start the half after a forty three yard drive. They get a little bit of movement themselves, starting with great field position again. They get a three and out, and, and here the trend starts to turn. They go the, maybe their second best drive of the day, 11 plays, 43 yards, and they get a field goal. And and then you're thinking, okay, may, maybe things are going in the right direction. And and then they get the two two turnovers in a row that really turns the game on its head. Yeah, and you, you mentioned that field goal. That's when, honestly, they had the Chargers on the ropes because it was a missed field goal, then the Bengals counter, and they had the two potential touchdowns, the one to Ross. Yeah which looked really close and I need to watch it again. And I don't know what happened and we'll dive into that. And I'm sure we'll talk about it more this yeah. week. And then two, the, the AJ green one. And if either of those are touchdowns, it just feels like the momentum, the way the Bengals defense is playing, man, you, you're Tyrod Taylor. Now you're down two scores. That, that's, that's a tough ask for him. Clearly, you know, he was managing the game and, uh, and they couldn't get it done. And that, I, I think that was a really big, uh, momentum swing to a degree in a, in a win for the Chargers that they were able to escape with just giving up a field goal. Yeah, I mean, you just look at the rest of the game. Instead of 13-6, to six, that would make it 17-6. to six. The Chargers only score 16 points. Of course, one of those is a touchdown, so they maybe go for two there to make it a three-point game. Maybe they make it, maybe they don't. But instead of tying the game on their next drive, after they get a great kickoff return, there was a missed tackle by Logan Wilson in special teams that would have made it a little bit less great. But instead, they go 55 yards on 10 plays for a touchdown. And and then the momentum just hard swings, right? You, you, you settle mm-hmm. for a field goal after you miss two touchdowns, and and the Chargers come back with a touchdown. And then you give the ball, You well, I think it was two straight running plays. No, it was an incomplete pass on first down to Tyler Boyd, which might have been his first target of the game, by the way. It didn't come it until the second half. And then Joe Mixon fumbles the ball. Um, first fumble in over 600 carries, and Nick Vigil gets his revenge by by scooping up the loose ball. And then, you know, the Chargers don't have very far to go, and the Bengals hold to a field goal, which is a big win. And, and then the Bengals are driving again, and you're thinking, okay, may, maybe this is fine. May, maybe Joe Burrow is really going to rally this team here. And instead, you get you know the the most boneheaded play I hope we ever see from Joe Burrow, and, and what I'm characterizing as a rookie mistake <laughs> trying to fit in that shovel pass. Awful play, right? Awful play. I, I think it was one. It was just a bad pass. Like it wasn't even, you know. I know he was there, but it was yeah. I mean, it was just a, a bad shovel to to begin with. But uh, it, and it was a really good play by Melvin Ingram. Um, it was. But but at the same time. Yeah, just throw it away, right? I just throw it away. Or but, run. but I, I, I do get it though. Well, hell, he's he'd gotten his head kicked in, so I get why he probably, you know, maybe not thinking twice about running. But if you can throw it, then throw it, you know. But because man, there were so many times where he was getting hit, you know, on runs, even in that fourth quarter. Yeah. And um, and and I will say it is interesting. You mentioned Boyd. He didn't get targeted until the second half. His first target was an eleven-yard catch on third down, and it, it, it's. It's a testament to to how out of rhythm they were in the first half that a guy like him, who easily had the best rapport with Burrow at, in, in training camp, didn't even get a target. Like that's how out of sync they were. Yeah. And w- when you talk about that final drive, 
guess what? He started to find Boyd and he started to get into a rhythm and he hit Thomas on one. And I think he hit Ross on one and then obviously the incomplete on the sideline. And uh, so he was starting to get into a rhythm and you hope that as ugly as it was at the end. And I know you've talked about it, that you can carry that into 96 hours from now as we record Thursday night against the Browns. Yeah, I mean, it was a really good final drive. Mm-hmm. By by all measures, like the the result wasn't good, but I mean, they they, they bled clock perfectly. They go fourteen plays, sixty nine yards. They they get the offensive pass interference, of course, and 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 they they bleed the clock down to two seconds. It's everything you want. They score the game winning touchdown with seven seconds left in the game, except it didn't count. And and you know he's hitting C J Uzama. He's hitting Tyler Boyd. He's spreading the ball around there, and that's the first time, you know, the pass rush isn't getting home. It actually looks like the Bengals are playing offense. And one of the big reasons that Tyler Boyd didn't get involved into that point in the game is because the only passing offense the Bengals could generate was off of the RPO, and they only did that a few times. And so, we, you know, we talked about how the game ended. I, I don't think we need to go into that again at this point, but let's come back in a minute, talk a little bit more about the defense and some of the big takeaways from the game because it's it's not all gloom and doom, right? There, there's some definite positives to take away, so let's get into those coming up next. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. The new and improved Built Bar, in fact, James, is even deliciouser than before, so much so that we made up a word to describe it. They've got new flavors. They've got their original favorites, if you like those. They fit your macros. They've got fiber if you need fiber. And really, it's just the perfect protein bar. And James, I I know you agree. It's the best protein bar on the planet. I mean, look, if the Bengals, they're looking to recover right now right and get their bodies ready for thursday against the browns well they should use promo code locked on save ten dollars off their first order and they're going to be good to go for thursday night look there's something for everybody at builtbar.com 18 different flavors okay so it doesn't matter what you like whether it's cherry barcia whether it's my favorite the mint brownie they have something for everyone it's gonna fit your macros they're protein packed low in sugar they're perfect for you so do me a favor. Go to BuiltBar.com. Check out all the great things they have to offer and use promo code Locked On for $10 off your first order. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. James, let's get into the takeaways from this game with the obvious caveat that let's not overreact to week one in, in, in some ways because last year around this time, the Bengals lost a one-score game to the Seahawks when I thought they actually played really well. I thought they played better in that game than they did in this game. But there are still some things that we can take away from this game. Let's start with the defense because we've talked a lot about the offense so far. We'll circle back to the offense, of course, because we have to talk about the takeaways for Joe Burrow and that unit as well. But on the defensive side of the ball, we've talked a little bit about the linebackers being played to their strengths. Really like that. That's something I'm keeping an eye on going forward. But the the star of the defense for me today was Jesse Bates. And mm-hmm. he was fantastic as a free safety, breaking up two crucial passes had a bad penalty called two bad penalties called on him in my opinion actually that 
that I don't really agree with. I can see why they were called, but that doesn't make them good calls. And overall, was fantastic on the back end. Who stood out to you besides Jesse Bates, if anybody? Well, certainly Jesse Bates. I thought he had a, a great game. You're right. I, I think of him in, in coverage against Hunter Henry. How many times have tight ends caught that touchdown in the corner? And, and he comes up and he bats it down. So certainly Jesse Bates deserves recognition there. And, and I thought William Jackson played relatively well. Uh, I, I think uh, he, he was there uh, early. You know, he had a couple of passes defense that I, I, I can recall. And he was in, in coverage in, in the right spots and, and things like that. So I, I think he had a good first first game and what is a huge year for number 22 uh and and on the flip side and i know we're trying to be positive here but on the flip side i think darius phillips you know he had the penalty i think there are some questions there and uh, i couldn't help a couple of times thinking like man trey waynes were out there how good would we be talking about this secondary and i know you're probably laughing at that idea but I, i do think uh i do think overall the secondary played well i think that darius phillips is actually mostly fine I, I think he got beat on that one ball to, to Mike Williams, but I think he's supposed to be playing trail there. And I think Jesse Bates is supposed to be coming over the top there. And it was an absolutely perfect throw from Tyrod Taylor as he was getting hit. I mean, that was an incredible play for Tyrod Taylor, but the the holding penalty, obviously not great. He, he didn't get to make any plays on the ball in this game, but I'm not like, terribly concerned about that. You didn't see Keenan Allen, like leave him on the turf. Actually, he did fall once on a Keenan Allen out route, but I think the turf was pretty slippery. You saw a lot of players fall. So I thought that Darius Phillips was more or less fine. I thought William Jackson was really good. I thought Mackenzie Alexander was pretty good. And uh, DJ Reader going to be very important to this <laughs> team. When, when he went off the field, just immediately the Chargers were like, oh, we can run it now. And then mm-hmm. they did, and then they scored a touchdown. Yeah, that, that was really the... I mean, there's so many plays that we can call the game, but that was it, man. I mean, they seized all momentum, and they said, hey, what we're going to do is run it. Stop us. And they couldn't. You know, Austin Eckler, Kelly, you know, just right down their throats, and that's what they did. And that's the the unfortunate part and and really the time when not having Geno Atkins really hurts. Because if you have Atkins – then reader leaving because of cramps for a series isn't the end of the world. Right. But it felt like it. And and suddenly the Bengals, after really kind of establishing themselves in that second half, and we talked about some missed opportunities, suddenly it was a tie game, you know, and it, it quickly changed because of that. Yeah. I think there, I mean, you talk about what you can point to and being the game. There are a lot of things you can point to. DJ reader goes out at an inopportune time, but you know, they had the two turnovers. They, they couldn't really play mm-hmm. offense in the first half. And despite all those things, it was still a very close game, right? The defense played pretty well, given that they had they were down two turnovers and it was it was a one score game. So, um, let, let's shift over to the offense. Talk a little bit about Joe Burrow here to, to to go out because despite the stat line, despite the start, despite you know no touchdowns, low yards per attempt, bad passer rating, what have you, I I come away from the game thinking Joe Burrow isn't overwhelmed by the NFL. There was maybe one play I remember in the entire game when he looked a little shook by the pass rush, but there, you know, the other plays when he took sacks, I also thought, you know, there's just nothing he can do. So all of that happened, and then he goes down there and and leads what should have been a game-winning drive. So I, I come away feeling pretty heartened by Joe Burrow's effort, and and similarly, like, what what the hell are we going to do about the offensive line? Like the, the, the opposite side of the coin is 
the pass rushes the Bengals face this year are good. And and this mm-hmm. is just the first taste of that. If the offensive line plays like this, I, I mean, I couldn't even – I didn't – Joe Burrow, it didn't matter who was a quarterback for the first half because they, they couldn't do any offense. It didn't. And, and that's that's the big concern. That was our question all off season. That's why, you know, we, we've talked about it and talked about it and hyped about it. It seems like everybody has. And you just hope that this was more about who was lining up on the other side than who's lining up for the Bengals. And I know I get it, right? Miles Garrett's in four days. So like he's coming. But Bosa and Ingram, that's a is it the best tandem of pass rusher? I mean, it's one of them if it's not the best in the league. And, and I could be getting an obvious one wrong here. I can't think off the top of my head. But the, the point is, is that it's a hell of a one-two combo. And so you hope that what you saw in the second half of them being able to function and, and, and kind of scheme around it a bit, that that's kind of the start of what's to come and not that first half where they, were, they weren't functional. You know, they were not functioning. Three sacks. It could have been more. Burrow used his legs. There were a couple one to two yard runs that are basically sacks in this game. Even in the second half, there were a couple of those yeah. where look, if Burrow gets flush and he gets two yards, it's better than nothing, but it's still pretty much a sack, especially on second and 10. So um, yeah, it was, it, it was absolutely rough. And I think that's a huge, huge concern for this team. And it's, you know, you, you just shake your head because it's been this way. Now, this will be the fifth season. If this, uh, if this line plays like it, you know, like it has, in the past, this would be the fifth season where they, the offensive line's below average. And there really aren't easy answers. The last thing that I want to talk about is Joe Mixon, who is pretty quiet today. He had, he had you know, the first fumble he's had and like I said, over 620 touches in the NFL. Had just 69 yards on 19 carries, three and a half yards per carry, give or take. He has two targets in the passing game. This is a the guy they're paying $12.5 million a year and, uh, you know, I mean, it's not all his fault, but not a great game for Mixon, and they'll have to figure out how to get him going as well. They tried it a little bit in the second half. They tried to ride him a little bit, but it just wasn't working. And again, not on him, but they need to get the running game going if if they, you know, because you can't just ask a rookie quarterback to throw it 50 times a game. You just can't. You can't. And the two targets are what are frustrating to me because, the, yeah, the, well, but the offensive line. Right? Like we, we knew this was going to be the case. Uh, well, I, I was hoping not. I was hoping that they would use him <laughs> in a, in a way that heck. And I I, I was going to say like Eckler, but Eckler only had one target. Uh, but but the way the Chargers used Eckler last year, where you're really getting him involved, and you didn't see him in a, on a ton of third downs. It was the Geo show uh, on that two minute drill where they looked their best on offense. It was yeah. Geo. Yep. And, and I get it because of pass protection. Totally understand it. But man, if that's the case, then was it worth it? And, and, and we're, again, it's one game, okay? If he had an 80-yard run on Sunday, we wouldn't be talking about this. But he he didn't. And I, I think that's part of it. Look, you're either going to have to have some splash runs or you're going to have to make him a regular part of the passing game. And I do think in that first half, if they had done that, in the first play of the game, you mentioned it, it, it goes to Mixon, and I'm like, oh. Yeah. And I know it was nothing, but I was like, oh, that's interesting. It was a nice well, thought, he gets, right? He gets one more target. It's yeah. like, oh, my gosh. So, yeah, I, I think that's a – if there's a negative not name the offensive line, I think it's that. Just the, the usage and, and how they used them, all of that. You, you hope that changes especially – and I know I don't want to look ahead too much, but Cleveland's linebackers might be the worst in the league. you got to take advantage of that. you got to exploit it four days from now. 
And they really didn't today when they had an opportunity to in this game. And, and given, I mean, I don't think the Chargers secondary played particularly well. It was really one for the Chargers in the trenches. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We will be back tomorrow with a day to decompress, think about the game. And we're on a short week. The Browns host the Bengals in just, what, three, four, four days, depending on when you're listening to this. So the Bengals have a lot to figure out. You, you hope that some of the halftime adjustments that led to some better protection uh, carry forward a little bit against the Browns. But on paper, despite how bad the Browns look today, losing 6-38 to to Baltimore, they look better than, than the Chargers did, and it's on the road. So another big test for the Bengals coming up on Thursday night. Until then, Bengals fans, who day, and have a good one. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.